Welcome to For the Long Run, the podcast exploring the why behind what keeps runners running long, strong, and motivated. I'm your host, Jonathan Levitt. I've been running for a few years now and have the privilege of meeting many incredible runners on my travels all across the country. This podcast is intended to share those amazing conversations. How do you feel great on vacation? Like really good? Easy. You go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool white sand beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll immerse yourself in natural wonder and find your center on an island where things move at your speed. You won't just feel great. You'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba Effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. This episode is brought to you by Wellness in Motion, a clinic in Boston that I've been going to for chiropractic and sports massage for the last few years. Normally an in-person experience, they close in mid-March to help promote social distancing. While they aren't able to treat patients in a traditional sense, they have pivoted so that they can continue to help all of us by offering complimentary 30-minute telehealth consults to not only their current clients, but to anyone who needs or wants advice regarding an injury or about maintenance in general. Yes, that's anyone nationwide at no cost. You'll be able to connect with a trained practitioner, get prehab or rehab exercises, and self-treatment options so that you can continue to run strong. Check them out at wellnessinmotionboston.com and let them know that I sent you. And welcome back. Uh, I am still here in Boston, and uh, I have Rebecca Mera joining in from Flagstaff today. Rebecca, thanks for uh, thanks for joining in. Yeah, thank you for having me on. For sure. So, first question. Uh, it seems to be a tough one, but uh, we'll we'll go from there. Uh, who is Rebecca? Gosh, uh, a lot of things. Um, I am a professional track and field athlete. Um, I'm on Little Wing Athletics, training out of Bend, Oregon. Uh, sponsored by Wazelle. If you haven't heard of it, they're an awesome women's athletic brand based out of Seattle. Um, I'm also a real public policy nerd. <laughs> I thought that this is, you know, public policy work was what I was going to be doing out of college. Um, I work for the mayor of Bend, Oregon. Um, and yeah, a little bit about me. Cool. Um, so you are a part of uh, Wazelle's elite team or professional team, mm-hmm. and they've got a they've got an awesome group out in Bend. Um, sure do. And, and I love the team aspect. And and you're in Flagstaff right now. There there's mm-hmm. some pretty awesome teams in Flagstaff. Um, I just I just had a chat with Alphine uh, yesterday. Um, speaking oh, of yeah. athletes, so what's what's that team atmosphere like? What's it like training with Lauren and training with that with that group of athletes? Oh, it's so awesome. Um, I've never really been on a team quite like it. It's really all about women supporting women, and you know, I've never had this kind of support structure before. Working with Lauren is so amazing because she she really gets it. She's competed on this level. She knows exactly what it takes. Um, she's still, I mean, she's been a bit injured this year, but last year she did a lot of our workouts with us. Um, never had a coach who could really jump in, you know, in the way that she's been able to. And then also she's really helped me improve my mental game. Um, really kind of helped me holistically improve as a person (laughs) as well over the last year and a half. Um, and yeah, I think every woman in the group is kind of on that same trajectory of like, I want to improve who I am as a person and I want to see what I can get out of myself. And it just creates, you know, a really amazing environment in which like people are able to compete their best and yeah, I'm lucky to be a part of it. 
Cool. Um, so one of the things you mentioned was uh, your goal is to holistically improve as a person. Um, you recently <laughs> had a little uh, a little fame um, due to oh my. <laughs> some kindness you displayed in a in a grocery store parking lot. Uh, let's talk about that. Where where sure. did that come from? Um. Yeah. I mean, I've said this so many times, but I, you know feel like most people I know would have done the exact same thing. If you had run into an elderly couple in the grocery store, outside the grocery store, actually in the parking lot, who due to a pandemic virus (laughs) was afraid to go in the grocery store, you'd help them out too. And that's all I did. It was being in the right place at the right time. And I think that, you know, that was installed in me from a really young age, actually. Um, My dad around Christmas time used to go around and talk to all the local homeless folks and buy them coffee or give them gifts. And I think that, you know, kind of just stuck with me over the years. But um, like I said, a lot of people would have done the exact same thing. I just happened to be there and then happened to write about it afterwards. For sure. Um, So public policy, Uh, we're at an interesting time uh, in today's day and age with that. Um, before we dive too far into that, do you know um, Eric Sensman? I, I've heard the name, but I, I don't know who he is now. So, so Eric Sensman, I believe he's running for mayor of Flagstaff. And when I say running oh, okay. for mayor of Flagstaff, I mean he's literally running for mayor of Flagstaff by running <laughs> all the streets in Flagstaff. Um, he's, a, he's a pro trail runner. and um, Wow, that's awesome. So a uh, little, little interesting connection there. But um, so public policy is something that's, uh, I guess, critical in all Definitely. in all times, but even more so in a time like this. Um, so where where does your interest in public policy come from, and and how did that begin? Yeah, I think it was really instilled in me from a young age. Um, I come from a family of folks who've worked in public service. Um, my grandmother was the head of maternal and child health at the World Health Organization for many years. Um, My aunt has worked at the International Labor Organization. She's worked at the UN. And, you know, I grew up being around that. And I felt like the values were instilled in me to serve your community and, you know, your country or even your world. And so, you know, in college, I majored in international relations. I was always very interested in, in current events and what was going on around me was why I ended up interning at various places in public service at the UN, um, at the State Department in Washington, D.C., and it's ultimately how I ended up, you know, working for the mayor of Bend. I just feel like it's really important to do something at some point in your life to serve your community, serve the people around you. And it's so fulfilling. So I don't know what I'll be doing in the future necessarily, but you can probably bet it's going to be something to do with public service. Cool. And then, um, so you mentioned serving the community. One of the things that I love about um, Little Wing and some of the other training groups and and focuses of uh, professional athletes is maybe serving the community isn't like the best way to put it, but um, bringing the community along for the ride and, and sharing the journey. Um, so what's how how has your how has your professional running career sort of evolved as a as an athlete and, and how have you how have you used social media to, to connect with fans uh, all over? Oh, that's a great question. You know, it's funny. I never, I never loved social media. I always felt like it, it made me stick to my phone more than I actually wanted to be <laughs> on my phone. 
But at the same time, in this day and age, it's such a great opportunity to be able to connect with like people who are not in our like nearest surroundings, you know, folks who are all, all over the country and all over the world. Um, and it's amazing because I've just had so much positive feedback from people saying, you know, I really appreciate following your story and I feel like I've learned so much and I feel like I, I know who you are, um, which is so awesome. But also, you know, especially over the last you know, little while, I've been trying to give back and trying to be really honest with people when I struggled in the fall with how I was feeling with burnout. I tried to let people know how I was feeling so there could be some sort of you know, feeling of other folks being able to resonate um, and yeah, I also have shared a lot about like, here, here's what I'm doing at home or here's what my training is looking like. And I think not only is that nice for people to appreciate, like, you know, what it takes to be a professional athlete, but it makes us more relatable. Um, and that's really awesome to connect with like these thousands of people who I wouldn't have otherwise. Did you feel that things changed with the struggle with, with burnout? Uh, a little bit. You know, it's funny. I had never experienced that before in all of my years of being an athlete. And I think a lot of that was because I was hurt so much all of college. I was really up and down. And I was constantly just trying to get to the next race or the next season without hurting myself. And all the time that I took off from running was pretty much because I was hurt. Um, mm -hmm. And so this was the first time I really had a full year of training under my belt and had a great season was like constantly being on adrenaline highs, uh, running all these amazing races, you know, in the US and Europe, um, Fifth Avenue Mile it was all fantastic. And then when it was over, and I kind of had a little bit of an injury, it took about a month off um, at the end of the season. And all just kind of hit me in a way that I never could have expected. And I think part of it was I'd spent six weeks on the road and hadn't been home in six weeks. <laughs> and so when I did get home, it hit me really hard. But um, also, you know, I'd never you know, competed on this kind of level before and experienced what that was like. And so I think that I've learned a lot about myself and how I need to give myself some grace <laughs> at the end of seasons to be able to kind of come down and recover not only physically, but also mentally. Is, is mental preparation and mental recovery something that you've, you've focused on recently? Absolutely. I think I mentioned this before, but you know, Lauren has really challenged me to think about and improve upon the mental side of, of sport for me. It's something I had never really thought much about. When I'd get to a starting line, I'd convince myself that I was confident and I could do it. And that's how I got through a lot of races through the times of injury. But she really challenged me to develop a racing mantra and, you know, be able to really think through like what I wanted out of a race and then be able to reflect on what happened in that race. I never used to like have a journal in which I'd write about my goals and then write about what happened. I would kind of like take it as it was and move on to the next race. And so I think that that's been, that's been really, really great um, to be able to, to think through and challenge myself on. So scrolling through your Instagram, it's just full of smile after smile after smile. <laughs> Is is gratitude and and happiness something, or more so gratitude? Is it something that you practice intentionally? I do. I think that I know that the last year and a half I've had was because of other people giving me the opportunities I've had. Um, I didn't have a stupendous college career. I had a good last season. I finished sixth at NCAA's, and that was pretty much the best I'd ever did. So it's not like I had all these doors open for me to continue running. And the fact that Wazelle and Bob and Sarah Lesko took a chance on me to, you know, be a part of the team and be a part of Little Wing Athletics. And so did Lauren. And so did, you know, the Lawrence's and my teammates. 
is amazing. And I feel like I'm kind of running on past time, if that makes sense. Like I, the fact that I've had this opportunity is, is really, really cool. And I'm trying to take advantage of it every day. And yeah, I am very grateful. Why do you think they took a chance on you? It's a great question. Um, I've, I guess I've talked to them about it a little bit, but I had shown some promise. Um, I had run pretty decently in college whenever I had the opportunity to race and I wasn't hurt. And I had this great last fifth year where, as I mentioned, I was six at NCAAs and I ran 411 in the 1500 and made the the U.S. championships, which I'd never run at before. And I did that off of like virtually no running. So (laughs) I think that they saw that and they said, okay, if you can just get consistent and not hurt yourself, you never know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. I agreed. And I feel like I've been able to see the start of what that looks like. <laughs> if I can just have a coach and a program and team and people around me that support me and, you know, help me to make really smart decisions to keep myself healthy. What are the other resources that you, that you lean on in Bend or, or I guess in Flagstaff now um, that help you to, to string together that consistency and, and healthy running? Yeah, that's been super important for me. Uh, the two folks that have been the most integral for that have been um, Ellie Myrowitz and Jay Dashari at Rebound Physical Therapy. They are awesome. I see Jay probably once a month and he analyzes my running gait on a force plate test. Um, he's really great with feet and I have feet that collapse in like no other. <laughs> so I've been working a lot on that. Um, and yeah, Ellie's- what's, what's the secret there? Because that might do too. <laughs> yeah. So I, it's, it's a, you know, learning in progress or learning, yeah. you know, learning as I go. But Jay has been, Jay invented this um, device called the Mobo board, which is really great. It kind of forces you to use your big toe quite a bit mm. more. Um, so I've been using that a lot and they're really big on toe yoga, which is kind of mobility in your toes, but also strengthening your, your arch. So mm. I've been doing a lot of that stuff between the Mobo board and just like doming, foot doming. And it's, it's super helpful. I mean, I'm still like, you know, it's a work in progress. (laughs) I still haven't totally um, mastered all this stuff. And, and, you know, my force play tests, you know, show the truth that it's not quite there yet. But at the same time, I've improved on so much stuff. I used to, these are very kind of funny running terms, but I used to pop my ribs a lot. I used to like arch my back when I was running, my arms were all over the place. And over the last year, we've addressed a lot of those problems. And I think that's a lot of the reason why I've been able to stay healthy besides the relatively conservative training. So I have them to thank for a lot of that. And I mean, I need to emphasize Lauren some more because Lauren is really (laughs) big on, you know, if something's bugging me or something doesn't feel right on one day, we take the day off or we don't do the workout or we postpone Mm -hmm. the workout. And that's been huge for me because in college, you're on a big team and you miss the workout, then you miss the workout and that's it. And it's always felt like the end of the world if, if that happened. And so instead of maybe taking the days off when I needed to, I would just jump in and do it anyways. And so really shifting that mindset with her help has been really integral. Cool. One of the things you shared earlier about the dynamic of, uh, of your collegiate team reminded me of a conversation I had earlier this week, uh, also on the podcast with Phoebe Wright. And Phoebe mm-hmm. was talking about how, the dynamic between uh, uh, collegiate running and professional running, and she saying she was saying that the that people who excel in in college often excel because they're uh, they thrive in a team environment, which mm-hmm. is what 
she was talking about, you know, that's why she thrived in college, but didn't have as good of a, of a pro career because there was less of the, um, there was less of the, the team environment in, mm-hmm. in her pro experience. And what she said was it's flip-flop now. The collegiate is, is much more individual and, and pro is, you know, we're seeing the growth of teams like Little Wing mm-hmm. and Northern Arizona Elite and, you know, things like that. Um, and I just, I found it interesting that um, you said that you had the kind of college career that you had, but now you're, you know, you have the potential to thrive and do so much more in, in this team that you're on now. Um, so I think, I think that, um, yeah, I don't know. It's an interesting reflection. And and do you agree with with her assessment that you know certain people thrive in in different environments, and mm-hmm. you might be you know in the in the bucket that that definitely thrives in that team group? Yeah, I feel like I always have fed off my teammates' energy. I think part of the reason why professional running has moved towards this team environment is because it's hard. And it can be really, really lonely. And yeah. if you don't have teammates that are there doing it with you and getting up and, you know, doing the track workouts, doing the gym, like getting in the easy miles with you when you're tired, it's really hard <laughs> to do that by yourself all the time. No matter how excited you are about your goals or how motivated you are, it's just easier to have teammates by your side. Um, I mean, I was really lucky. I had amazing teammates in college too. I just didn't know how to take care of myself properly. Um, and I didn't know how to advocate for what I needed. And I got hurt a lot. <laughs> so I think that for me, it was kind of more of a personal learning curve. Um, but I've always done better because I've been surrounded by good teammates, like from high school all the way until now. Cool. Um, so yeah. the the this podcast is... Um, aimed at exploring the why behind what keeps runners running long, strong, and motivated. Mm-hmm. So I find it fascinating to ask and and explore, you know, why professional runners do it. And I've seen some consistencies. Like I said, I've done I've done probably 70 episodes now. And the answers aren't always the same, but it's it's along a similar um, path. So I'm I'm curious mm-hmm. what's the why is probably a or will always be an evolving um, answer, but mm-hmm. what what would you say your why is today in in 2020? Yeah, I'd say I'd say two things: uh, the people and the camaraderie are mm-hmm. amazing in this sport. I mean, like second to none. There was a track meet that was pulled together last June, in which a bunch of us were just trying to hit you know qualifiers for USA's, which were happening the next month. And we kind of all banded together, all said, we're going to do this. Um, a bunch of us were really close to making it happen. And I think all the folks who ended up running two or three points ended up going to USA's. But then we all cooled down afterwards. We had a nice conversation. We all did a post-race uh, workout together. And we all got food together afterwards. And that's just the, the culture of the sport and why it's so amazing to <laughs> meet these people around us. Um, and I think the second part of it is it's addicting to figure out how much, you know, what the limits of your body are, how much you can push yourself. And, you know, like there's something really exciting about putting in all of this work and getting excited about like feeling like you're getting faster and like seeing the numbers change too. And so I think that, yeah, for me, it's been a lot of those two things. Um, it's, it's also fun. (laughs) I think our little wing motto is if it's, uh, if it's not fun, we're not doing it. 
Um, and I love that because we are out here. It's a privilege um, to be around the people and it's a privilege to get to push our bodies. So, yeah. And I wasn't, wasn't ready to let go of that when I graduated from college. Cool. Um, what's your favorite distance? Oh, that's such a good question. So if you'd asked me this a year ago, I would have 110% said the 1500 or the mile, mm. but I started running the 800 in this past year. Um, I think I'd only run it a couple of times <laughs> since, um, in, you know, all of college and high school combined. Mm. And it's a lot of fun. It's really hard. <laughs> it's really, really hard. You know, I hear people joking that the 800 is the hardest event track field. I'm not sure about that. The 10k is way more daunting to me. Um, but I, yeah, I don't know. I think I probably still have to say the mile or the 1500 because it's so measurable and because I have such a long history with it, but the 800 is pretty great too. What is it about the track that you love? Um, you know, I, a couple of things, I think it's a sense of comfort. I think I've been running on the track and racing on the track for so many years that it, it just feels like home. You know, the mm -hmm. smell of the track when you get there, putting on your spikes, um, the sound of a gun going off, like being at a track meet just feels right, <laughs> whether I'm running it or not. Um, and I think too, I, I love data. <laughs> I love like numbers and I always have since I was a kid and I mentioned this before, but I love the feeling of, of knowing you've gotten faster and be able to like really see Measurable. the numbers click off. Exactly. So I think that that has been really exciting. I mean, when I was in college, my coach, we were running a DMR. He was like, if you can hit 69s, that'll be a huge day for you. And now the conversation is more like, can we run 65s for 1500? And it's fun to kind of see that change over time. Yeah. In addition to the the community aspect, which is definitely my favorite part of it, I I also love the, you know, leveling up and what used to be your peak or your hardest is now a little bit easier or attainable. Mm -hmm. and, yeah. and and sort of like reestablishing what's normal and what's possible. Mm-hmm. A real slap in the face the first six months that I moved to Bend was the training. It was just so much harder. Honestly, like I, I trained a lot with, with Mel Lawrence, who's a beast to say the least. Um, she is fantastic at these really long aerobic workouts that are kind of my Achilles heel. And so in the fall, which is for us a time in which we don't spend any time on the track, really, we do a lot of aerobic work. Um, I was getting my butt kicked <laughs> left and right. And it was just these workouts that were 100% longer than anything I'd ever done before. You know, when I was in college, maybe I'd run four by mile aerobically at 540 with a minute rest. Well, now it's, can we do six to eight of those with like the same amount of rest or less rest? And can you run faster? And can you get faster each time? And that was so daunting to me. It was so difficult. But then again, when I got to races later in the year, I was so much more prepared and so much stronger because I had done that stuff. Um, that that the strength is really what made me faster, but it also was really tough. I had some really rough days, <laughs> especially my first year. And then looking back on it, you know the the growth will be fun to see. That like you know if you have it logged, you can look back you know in a year or two years and see like wow I struggled through that and now you know that's that's the normal. Totally, and I've definitely had times in which I've had 
bad workouts or bad days, or I'm, I'm nervous before a race. And I will look back at old training logs. Um, Lauren started this company believe training journal. And so we all have training journals that we use and they're awesome because it not only for me, I'd always like to write stuff down in computer spreadsheets, but this gives me an opportunity to really like reflect on, on how my day was and how my workout was and, and write it down with my hand. Um, and it's been really great to look back on some of the days where I really struggled um, from year to year. Like I, I did a similar workout um, like K's um, in the last few weeks that I did a year ago and just seeing how much faster I got and how much, uh, you know, better I was able to reflect one, but two, how much easier I suppose it was like less stressful um, mm. to run it a year later. It's yeah, really awesome to be able to do the comparisons back and forth. And then how do you, how do you um, maybe protect yourself from falling into the comparison trap? Cause right. We're always different athletes at different times of the year, or different, you know, um, through different seasons. So, how do you how do you use comparison against yourself or or against others in a positive way versus going too far in the wrong direction? Yeah, and I've gone too far in the wrong direction, especially <laughs> comparing myself to myself. That's the worst. Right. Um, I mean, I inherently know it's not good to look on social media and compare my workout to someone else's or compare how I felt to even how my teammate felt. But it's a really dangerous and slippery slope for me to go down to look back on, you know, what did I do several weeks ago? Why wasn't I able to do that today? Um, but I think like it takes time to absorb the work. You have to live in the present. For me, I know that like holistically, I am faster and stronger than I was a year ago, even if like in one particular workout or, you know, over a week or two, I don't hit exactly what I wanted to hit. Um, I think just you need to have faith in the process and faith that you're going to get better. Um, and something that my college coach used to say a lot was like to live in the present and like be in the present. And I struggled a ton with comparison in college because I'd have one year where I was healthy and then the next year where I wasn't, and I was really struggling just to run like a regional qualifying time. I think that was a really important skill for me to learn to just like be in the present, be excited where I'm at and know, and trust the process and know that like I was going to get better over time. Um, that's awesome. Has nutrition played a role in your ability to stay healthier compared mm -hmm. to where you were in college? <laughs> yeah. Uh, my nightly meal, my freshman year of college was a bowl of Lucky Charms. <laughs> so <laughs> clearly um, I wasn't super on top of it. And then I dump like, you know, five or six scoops of sugar in, in a tiny bowl of oatmeal because I hated the taste <laughs> of oatmeal. So no, I learned a lot about nutrition over time um, and about serving sizes and what's important. I think the biggest thing for me, this sounds like I'm a little kid, but it's to eat more vegetables. Mm. Um, we get our blood tested every few months just to see like where we're at with various levels, everything from like calcium to iron to like, whatever you name it. And I found for a while I was super low in folate, super low in vitamin D and things that I just never knew because I'd never mm -hmm. regularly gotten my blood tested. So yeah, I do try to eat like a lot more vegetables, more balanced meals, um, making sure I'm having snacks at the right times. That's a big one. Learning to eat right after I work out or run. Um, I never used to do that. I never brought a snack. So that's been a big change. But yeah, just generally becoming an adult, <laughs> cooking, cooking for myself. I'm yeah. as any of my teammates, I, I can cook. Um, I can make a pretty darn good Indian chicken curry, but I don't love cooking. So that's always a, a work in progress for me. Nice. Do you feel you eat more now than when you're in college? Yeah, I do. And I eat 
more like throughout the day, if that makes sense. My practice schedule is also different now. I have to recognize that. Like we do a majority of our hard workouts in the mornings. Mm -hmm. So it's really easy to eat a big meal after that. I always struggle. And I think a lot of college athletes struggle with the practice at like two or 3 PM because Mm -hmm. in reality, you need to eat a big breakfast, which you're not used to eating. And then your lunch needs to be smaller, but I never was able to figure that out properly and always like have stomach aches (laughs) at practice. Like Mm -hmm. all of us are in the bathroom. Um, and then I'd eat some humongous dinner. And so now I try to kind of balance it out more balance throughout it, the day. Yeah. And yeah, do a better job of that. Meal prepping too. That's also very big. Cool. Um, and then Bend, Bend is what, 4,000 feet, 3,000 feet? Uh, right in between. I think the downtown is 3,500 feet. And the highest we probably run is close to four. Got it. And then you're in Flagstaff, which is uh, almost twice that, or or it is twice that. So yeah, yeah I think I think the the altitude also um, demands that additional support, and and I think a lot of athletes miss that part. Um, the first time I went to Boulder, which is fifty two hundred feet, roughly. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. Yeah, exactly. Uh, everyone's like, just eat more, eat more, and drink more, more carbs, more water. And it's like, okay, that's <laughs> that sounds good. <laughs> Um, so yeah, it's, it's fun to sort of know the, the tools that facilitate that better, um, that, that progress. And then the simple things like vitamin D, um, I mean, stuff like that can be so impactful and most people are just totally unaware that, you know, that's a variable that is important and you can control it. Yeah. The only variable that I ever heard of in college was iron because Mm -hmm. I knew that there were points in which I had low iron, other teammates had low iron. It was kind of the only barometer I felt like that we regularly talked about or that Mm -hmm. I knew about at least. And so it's really opened my eyes to understand that, you know, we need the whole picture. (laughs) We need to make sure calcium and vitamin D and, you know, vitamin E and stress hormones and everything are like in line in order to like successfully train. And if something's out of whack, well, that's a good thing for you to note and a good thing for you to try to improve upon. And so just having, as I said before, I'm a data person and having all these, you know, more data points than I had before is so helpful for, you know, being able to improve and continue to train. For sure. How how often do you test? Uh, On average, probably once every two to three months when we get to, so we got altitude camp. We went to Flagstaff for a month last year, probably going to be here for a month this year. Who knows? Um, at this point, but, uh, yeah, so we get our blood tested before and afterwards to kind of see what the effect was. And then, yeah, I'd say in season more like once every couple months. Cool. Let's jump back to talking more about Wazelle. Um, uh, what is, what is that community like for you? What's it been like to, um, to race with, with Wazelle fans watching you and, and, mm-hmm. um, and all that? Oh, it's so great you feel like you have an army of women that are just excited for you and behind you. And I felt like I just got to steal into that when I got (laughs) signed with Wazelle. Suddenly I had like thousands of women who were excited for me and were pulling for me. And part of what's been so wonderful talking about social media again, is I've had an opportunity to connect with a lot of these women. Um, The model of Wazelle is that the women who sign up for the Volet, which is kind of the main Wazelle team, some of that money actually goes back to helping to sponsor the Hope Volet, which are the high flyers of professional athletes like me. And so they are like directly part of what supports me to get to do what I get to do. And that's amazing um, that, and, and they're aware of it too. And they're excited. So, you know, it's been really fun connecting with all these amazing women, both locally and Bend. We had kind of a volley weekend um, last fall and we got to host a bunch of people and 
show them what we do and what it looks like to be a part of Little Wing, um, but also to go to all these like different Wazelle events throughout the year and meet more of these women from across the country. In fact, when I was in Belgium, Mel and I were in Belgium for a race. We met a woman who is stationed in Brussels. Her and her husband are, I think, in the Foreign Service. And that was so cool. I mean, they're literally all over the world. So I think that that is like a very, very special thing about being part of the company. Um, and the fact that it's also so small, like whenever I go to Seattle or wherever I, you know, go to Wazell events, I always talk to and see the CEO, Sally Bergson. And that's also really unique as well <laughs> that I get to know the CEO and all the folks who work in the company so well. So it's, yeah, it's in really a blessing to get to get to work with them. Cool. Yeah. I love what they're doing um, in, yeah, in the running space and, and empowering athletes. Um, one of the things you mentioned was traveling for races and traveling cross country. And um, I'm mm-hmm. curious if you've, if you've developed some best practices or, or like tips of the tips of the trade that you can share um, with others who might be traveling to races as well. And, and a little unsure of how to do it appropriately. Totally. Um, yeah, I've really learned a lot <laughs> over the last year, year and a half in comparison to college, even because college, we would travel as a team, everything's taken care of for you. Um, you know, you don't really have to think a whole lot. You just do it. Mm-hmm. And for me, I've been, you know, I've learned a couple of things. One, keep hydrated. It sounds like such a like easy one, but like, I never was particularly good at it. Um, sometimes that's noon, sometimes that's Pedialyte, kind of whatever I have an opportunity to have. Um, and then as soon as I I get there, I really try to like the day before a race or two days before a race or whenever it is. And at some points it's been the day of the race. I put my legs up on the wall, try to relax, um, watch something on TV or something that's not stressful or read a book. Um, another big one is like, I always stretch <laughs> whenever I've come come out of traveling, whether it was an hour car ride or a 12-hour flight. Um, always stretch, drink water, legs up on the wall. Um, sometimes it's an ice bath. I know that the jury's out on what people think <laughs> of ice baths or not. But for me, I feel like if I've traveled a long way, I can tell my ankles are swollen. So ice baths are really great, especially if you're in a hotel where you have access to ice. So between, between those things, it's not rocket science, but <laughs> got to do what makes you feel good. But those are the things that, that make me feel ready to go. Cool. What big scary goals do you have for the next five years? <laughs> That's a great question. Um, in fact, I feel like I've been trying to work these out, but I mean, this year, who knows what's going to happen, right? But I want to run the Olympic standard, um, and be great if I can run both the eight and the 15, but I think probably focusing on the 15 and going to try to run four Oh four two. Um, and you know, get to the finals, the Olympic trials and see what I can do. And all you really can ever do in this sport is give yourself a chance. So if you mm-hmm. give yourself a chance and then you give yourself the opportunity to be able to take advantage of the fact that you gave yourself a chance, well, then you never know what great things are going to happen. So I think that that's what I'm going to do in every race that I run over the next several years is like, give myself a chance to run fast and place well and, you know, see what happens. I hope that I get to, you know, run for the next five years and you know, continue to run world and Olympic standards and give myself chances to make teams. And maybe one of these days it'll work out. <laughs> Never <laughs> awesome. Know. Yeah. Um, what are you scared of? Um, that's a good question. I, I said this to Lauren, I've said this to teammates and boyfriend and friends, but 
I had such an electric and fun and exciting year last year, which just felt like all upward trajectory. And I know that it wasn't, if I look back at my training logs and I look back at what the year really looked like, I did have some ups and downs, but at the end of the day, I felt like I got so much better. And it is always nerve wracking to think you can put in the work and either A, just end up getting hurt, which has happened to me a ton of times. And it's super disappointing and frustrating. Um, or two, like you don't run as well as you want to. Um, and you can put in all the time in the world and the work and it just may not work out. So, you know, those are always scary things, but hard things are, are tough, are tough to do. So uh, it's always going to be worth it for me, no matter the outcome. But those are definitely things that make me nervous from time to time. Um, one of the things you just said, hard things are tough to do. Um, how do you take <laughs> what, you, what you learn in running? So these hard things and apply it to life? Yeah. You. Um, I mean, you have to, you have to be organized. You have to be willing to put in hard work and you have to, you know, you have to be passionate about it in order for, in order to be good at it. And I think that that's, those are all aspects that you can take into anything you do in life, (laughs) whether it's, you know, becoming, having relationship, becoming a parent, um, any other type of job you do is that if you're willing to put your head down and put in the work and be organized and on top of it and excited, then you can kind of do anything. And so I think that, there's hopefully a lot of ways in which running can help me out later and what I've learned. Uh, the head, these you're, you've got a million of these like um, mantras or, or um, like one quick hit lines that I love uh, the head down, put your head down and work, put your head down and work is something that, that resonates with me. I, um, I did a podcast with Shalane uh, earlier in the week and I tweeted it out with the, with like the line it's time to put your head down and work. Um, oh, really? Yeah. Huh. Based on, based on the conversation or what she was sharing about, you know, how to um, pr- approach this uncertainty that we have ahead of us. Um, what she was saying was, you know, we don't know what the next few months look like and we don't know if there will be Olympic trials. We don't know if there'll be the Olympics. So mm-hmm. now's a good time, as she put it to, to stuff the silo full of miles and, and like you said, you know, put your head down and work. So my question is, how are you approaching this uncertainty? Is it a similar approach where you're, you know, working on just getting as fit as possible? Is, mm-hmm. Do you have some dates in mind? Do you have, you know, A, B, and C goals? How are you, how are you approaching this uncertainty? Yeah, we just had a team conversation about this a couple of days ago. And we can only control what we can control. So mm-hmm. we can't control when you know, this health crisis is going to be safe enough for us to be able to put on some track meets or run, um, you know, run with other people. So right now we're staying within a team unit and we're training. We're going to try to get access to tracks and to good places to train whenever we can. Clearly, um, as most people throughout the country are experiencing, there are no gyms. So we've been, you know, doing makeshift gym, (laughs) making stuff up in our living room. I've learned a whole lot about, you know, what squat height is best (laughs) versus not. Um, and so, yeah, we're just kind of doing our best to stay positive and train a little bit. I'm not sure how our training is going to shift considering the fact that we were going to open our, our season at Mount Sac. Um, and mm-hmm. clearly that's not happening anymore. So, you know, shifting, shifting the training, maybe a little bit to be a bit more strength based and aerobic rather than getting sharp and ready to race some, you know, race some races, but, you know, still holding out hope that 
perhaps the trials are going to be at the same time. And perhaps by like May 15th or so, it'll be safe enough for us to run some track meets. So um, kind of using that date, I suppose, as a North Star. But then again, as athletes, I've learned you just need to be adaptable. And this is the, you know, biggest example <laughs> I've had. <laughs> of like, you just need to be willing to, you know, roll with it. So that's what we're doing. Just training away, putting in the miles, putting in the time doing the makeshift gym and hoping that there will be an opportunity to race eventually. Cool. Um, what do you wish people knew about you? Well, that's a great question. I don't know. I'd have to think about that. I think that I can come off. So actually to my competitors and actually something that my college coach told me, I can come off like I'm uber competitive and really serious. Mm. Um, and I can be, but I'm also really goofy <laughs> and I <laughs> love to talk. Um, so anyone who doesn't know me, I guess, doesn't know those things, but yeah, I don't know. I just hope to get to know a whole lot more people in the running world over this next year. Cool. Well, where can we follow along with your adventures, uh, if we wish to do so? Yeah. Um, I have an Instagram, um, Rebecca underscore Amara. I think my Twitter handle is also the same <laughs> and I only got a Twitter six months ago, but now I'm going <laughs> to. I'm going to do a much better job trying to use it and trying to let people know what's going on. Um, also, I write blogs through Wazell um, on Wazell channels every once in a while. So that's always there, but I'll do my best to also share it on social media. And hopefully when it's safe in the future to do some events and get back with the Wazell community, I'll plan to do that too. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for joining in today and, uh, and have fun in Flagstaff. Thank you so much. Yeah. Stay safe, stay healthy. Likewise. Thanks. Bye. That's it for today's episode. Like many long runs, it's sad when it has to end. I hope you join in next week on For the Long Run. And in the meantime, happy trails. If you've enjoyed this episode, it would mean a lot to me if you shared it so that others can find it and enjoy it too. Thanks again to Wellness in Motion for supporting me in the podcast. If you're a runner looking to speak with a trained practitioner and would like to do so from the convenience of your own home, check them out at wellnessinmotionboston.com for a free 30-minute telehealth consult. You'll get rehab or prehab exercises and guidance about how to continue running strong. Let them know I sent you. Enjoy.